Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning and welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach. You know, it's really exciting to share that there's a number of organizations that would like to be guests on our show. The word is getting out. We interview all different types of nonprofits that offer a variety of services and support to the community. And with over 54,000 in our state, there's a lot happening in the way that these organizations are having an impact. You know, it's interesting when people say, I never heard of that organization, or maybe they've heard of the organization, but they don't really know what they do. So this show gives nonprofits an opportunity to make themselves known and to educate the community on how they can join them in their efforts. So if you have a message to share with the community on how your nonprofit is making a difference in the lives of others, feel free to reach out to me and we'll talk about how you can become a guest on the show. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that, unless you're involved in the process, you may not have a clue how it works. Everyone wants and deserves a safe, loving place to call home, and children in foster care deserve this just as much as anyone else. With approximately 7,500 children, ages 5 to 14, in foster care in Wisconsin, there's definitely a need for an organization that can partner with these families for their entire journey through fostering and adoption. My first guest today is Oriana Carey, Executive Director of the Coalition for Children, Youth, and Families, a nonprofit that helps raise awareness about children growing up in foster care. Welcome to the show today, Oriana. Well, thank you so much for having us, Jill. Um, it's nice to be here today and, and also want to extend um, and a thank you to Ellen Becker for doing such important philanthropic um, awareness work for all of us in the nonprofit world. It truly is helpful. Well, you're welcome. And, and we love doing it to hear about great organizations like yours. I actually read a statistic that in 2019, the turnover rate of foster parents ranges from 30 to 50 percent. There's like more kids in the system and less people to take care of them. That's a problem, right? Obviously. So there's definitely a need for education, advocacy, and support for these families looking to foster and or adopt. So is this problem what prompted the start of the coalition? Um, well, the coalition began with a group of families in 1984, actually a group of foster families themselves, a small group of them. And at that time, what they were most concerned about, so I like how early on you talked about the needs of uh, children in foster care. In 1984, children were not always, uh, we, we were saying it wasn't okay for foster parents to necessarily be the adoptive resource for a child and more kids were lingering in care and these families were not okay with that they wanted something to change they wanted to raise the awareness um, and so they got involved they did some advocacy in Madison and they got their first small grant of $25,000 to do something to raise that profile to raise that awareness uh, they were a group of families they quickly understood that they needed somebody else to do the work, and my predecessor was their first employee with that $25,000 and in the basement. 
Um, today in 2019, we are still a small organization. We are a $1.5 million organization with 16 employees. Um, but what we do is we serve all 72 counties of Wisconsin. So not just here in um, southeastern Wisconsin. We are providing support to the foster and adoption system most specifically the families, all with a goal of making sure that every kid has what we like to say a champion, somebody that thinks they're amazing. or, okay. or that Everybody they get, needs that, right? Right. Yes. right. Yeah. Well, then, so how did you come into the picture? So I joined our organization in 2005. At that time, it was one of the what was also going on is that was the first couple, some of the first couple of years, the federal government was saying, we're going to look at states and we're going to look at their system. And when they did that, all 50 states failed and all 50 states had to come up with a new plan. Um, and I got hired when we were awarded a new really specialized grant um, called the Foster Care and Adoption Resource Center. Literally a binder on my desk the first day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, Have at it, and, right? <laughs> and turn it into something. Um and it was a great match for me. I am a social worker by background, both my undergraduate and graduate degrees. However, I've spent as much less time necessarily working directly with children and families as I have running programs, helping develop them. And um, what was so exciting about this is I was going to um, get to go and do some advocacy work in Madison and now I can say <laughs> that's kind of wore <laughs> off, but it's still really important um, and really important work. And then um, in 2014, I became the successor um, to our original CEO, uh, E.D. Colleen Ellingson. Okay. Well, you shared that every child deserves a champion. You said that before. And, and that parents, when parents do better, the children do better. Mm-hmm. That's no surprise there. So how does the coalition go about helping the parents become a champion for their foster child and ultimately helping them be and do better? So it starts with that first piece. Again, back to what you were saying is that, you know, we need to make sure that all kids out there have that, that they have a champion, they have somebody, that kids don't linger in care without somebody advocating and caring for them. And so it starts with the people who ask about the process, the people who uh, make the choices to uh, get connected either with a county foster care licensing agent private agency, even through our Native American tribes here in Wisconsin, all the way through the time they've been licensed, and ultimately we support the families who've adopted. Um, Also here in Wisconsin, more and more relatives are actually the ones who are being asked to step up and care for nieces and nephews. Um, And what's more challenging for them is that was while our foster parents made a very strong choice and had to think about it think about being called tonight jill and it's your niece or your nephew and somebody is saying are you ready to take them in mm. and you haven't had extra training and you haven't had extra time but you're not going to say no right right um, and where do you turn and that's where you step in right yeah. and so we like to really pride ourselves on a couple of things so again that why for us is making sure that all kids have somebody no matter what um but it's 
we want to be a place where people can go that we're not the people that license them. We're not the people that have done their home study. We're not the ones that are going to make, um, that are going to take something that they're confused about and maybe not have time to understand it. Our social workers in our systems are really, really busy. And their primary job is trying to help keep kids at home or return home. Foster parents need somebody. Foster parents need somebody to just ask some of the simple questions. Um, and so what we feel the best about is we have staff that are there. That's what they do on top of a lot of other things. But one of the primary things they are there is, let's say, Jill, you call and you ask this question. And we, we send up an SOS. Right. <laughs> help and, me somehow. Help me. Right. And, and so we're there to kind of, most important, listen. Because many times your neighbor, your mom, your sister, people you would normally talk to don't understand um, what it's like to parent someone who has experienced trauma and loss like many of our kids. Um, and if we don't have the answer, we call people back. We go and research it for it. And I, I don't mean to sound snotty about that, but I sure hope you understand in today's world that really means a lot to people that oh, somebody sure. calls yes. back yeah. and um, because somebody's how, listening somebody is there yeah right right yeah. and so the greatest illustration of some of that I could just share quickly in a story is our current board president who is an accomplished attorney here in the Milwaukee area she adopted um, four boys from foster care and it's a similar type of thing she started to have some challenges in her home went to her mom sister everybody and the, the advice they were giving um, points charts and things like mm. that were not working. They don't work really well with our kiddos. And so she called us and she said to one of our staff members, you know, I want to talk to somebody else. I want to talk to somebody else who knows what it feels like. And I expect that you help me. And we did. Um, and that's another thing we do is we know the families who are doing this well. We know other families that people can talk to. And so we connect to them to help them feel inspired. Um, and so she got the help she needed. And really, literally, in a couple weeks later, she called back and said, I want somebody to connect me with the leadership of your organization. I want to be on your board. Oh, um, wow. And well, that's, that says a lot right? for sure. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. Wow. Well, as you mentioned, connecting families to local resources is so crucial because one organization can't do it all, right? Mm -hmm. So stay tuned to hear how the coalition works with other nonprofits to provide the connections they need to maximize their effectiveness. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Oriana Carey from the Coalition for Children, Youth, and Families. So we talked about in the last segment the idea of collaboration and why that's so important when trying to provide the best resources to your clients, in this case, families and children. Uh, one organization can't do it by themselves. So nonprofits need to rely on other nonprofits. So let's talk about some of those other nonprofit organizations you work with. Um, now, I imagine that you work pretty closely with the county foster care agencies in the area. Um, of that 7,500 children in foster care, about 1,500 are eligible for adoption. And what I found interesting, I was not aware of this before, but it said a child only becomes legally available for adoption in Wisconsin when the state determines that he or she cannot safely be reunited with biological family members. 
Talk about those um, county foster care agencies. So as I was talking about previously, sort of this beginning of the process to the end. So, you know, one of the things we're charged with is helping create public awareness for the need. So we work with them on places that we can help them strategically um, have our campaign materials. We also help them design um their recruitment planning Um, we've helped them we've brought in trainers for them and people to help on the flip side and helping them do their job is providing a lot of ongoing training and information for their families so we have an enormous amount of content we have a content we have a lending library all those sorts of things so we help them they help us Um, they help us by getting the word out to their families and we try to share to them because again they're very very busy in the work that they're doing and so we want to free them up to do the critical work and us to do another layer of that critical work being a support helping families problem solve helping them all problem solve so that most important we don't have kids moving around we want kids Mm. to stay in safe stable places so they can heal that's the important factor here okay well i also read a statistic interesting number of kids in foster care due to parental drug use has doubled since 2000 so i imagine you work with agencies that help in that regard Um, We don't directly, other than sometimes using them to provide information for the families caring for children. Typically, those county agencies we talked about, um, there are social workers that are working really hard to help mom and dad be reunited with their children. Um, So we'd provide a lot of information for foster families um, because they have a lot of time with mom and dad and other family. So helping them understand addiction, helping them understand how it impacted the life of this child, Um, helping everybody see each other in a more compassionate Mm -hmm. um, way. um, Because what's also really important is children don't want to choose Children want to know their parents are okay. And our best families that do this in our state, when I say champions, these are people that work equally hard to help kids get home as much as championing for them while they're in their home. These are amazing people. Mm, I bet they are. But not everybody can do that, right? Yes. It takes a certain type of individual. And, and what about healthcare agencies? You know, there's there's mental, emotional, and behavioral challenges, uh, or can be, not necessarily always, but there can be. So, are you using or working with um, healthcare agencies in a collaborative way? Yeah. So, on our, you know, we have um, websites that have lots of content and information. When I talked about those phone calls, is we need to have the list, especially in the mental health area. We need to have the list of the people um, we like to say that are adoption informed. Um, trauma-informed for sure. Um, At times, uh, providers that are taking uh, Title 19 Medicaid insurance. Another really difficult piece for our foster families is dental care Um, because many of our providers, many of our children are covered by Title 19 Medicaid, um, but many of our providers um, don't accept it. And so helping families, if we know that some part of the state is having a free clinic or somebody's accepting those pieces Um, you're also talking about you know foster kids are kids so there are children with autism and people need to know 
about what the resource is there. There are children with significant mental, you know, health needs, and there are other agencies, some of the major health agencies, Children's Hospital, what other um, services do they provide? And so we're always looking for that. Also trying to help have information both for the daycares um, and about the daycares. So, you know, I mean, early childhood uh, intervention and good schooling and also that those professionals and when I mention schools, schools are a humongous, humongous piece. I think another piece of data, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but what we know is that when somebody has had a, a, a disruption in their home environment, um, what we know is that for many kids, they fall six months behind oh. educationally. Okay. Um, also, kids moving around mm. um, and teachers having to help them catch up. Um, and so being there again for our foster families, helping them connect with the agencies that advocate for disabilities, advocate and help kid, um, families understand our special education and getting the help and resources that they need, but equally also helping our education professionals understand the differences. Yeah. Well, again, we said that, um, you know, you can't do it alone. Uh, you're only one organization, but that collaborative piece is so key um, to draw on the strengths of other people, mm -hmm. right? Um, you have any other ones that you can think yes, of? Yes. And then there's, you know, then there's a lot of very special, unique uh, information. Uh, organizations. Uh, for example, Camp to Belong, which I know is going to be, you're going to be talking to next, a very special organization helping connect siblings. Siblings, the system tries as hard to keep them placed together, but often siblings are disconnected from each other um, in our system. So looking for special, unique organizations, organizations that uh, provide places for uh, camps and other things where kids can be kids and their families can be supported. Yeah, because there, we all know that how wonderful it is that somebody can be in a place where they can make friends with someone who's in the same situation as they are. Yes, and right. we do. And we have, um, we host events like that. Um, and again, back to a story as simple as sometimes having an event where the families and kids can come together. One little boy, we had a pumpkin farm event, and he said to one of our staff, you mean everybody here is adopted like me? Mm. And, you know, I think that's something people don't understand. Right, right, Yeah. Um, well, you had mentioned at the beginning of the interview that there were a group of foster parents that were given a $25,000 grant to start the coalition. How do you sustain yourself today then? Well, uh, we still have grants that we receive from the Department of Children and Families. Uh, I talked about that neutrality. So there's a role they want us to play where people have to go. Uh, we also do it through a tremendous amount of phil philanthropic support that comes here in this community. Um, we have a golf outing and an annual gala. Um, and we also make a lot of connections with people um, who want to be connected to our organization. Uh, the, you know, we are very, very blessed to have, uh, for every dollar brought in, about a 30% or 30 cents on the dollar of in-kind um, services and professional support from people. Oh, so wonderful. we work really hard to, um, you know, make the dollars go far. Yeah. Well, so you talked about some events. If somebody wants to know when those are and they want to support them, is there a website they can go to to get a calendar of events? Yes. So in, in terms of that, you know, we have our main organization website, Coalition 
for cyf.org. Um, that is where the overall organization view. Some of the other things I talked about today, uh, our main website with a lot of information is the, is foster care and adoption, or Wisconsin, WI, I'm sorry, WI, <laughs> fostercareandadoption.org. Okay. That is the state's resource center, and there's a lot of information. Um, our phone number is 414-475-1246, and I always tell people we have lots of people that'll help connect you to the information you're looking for okay yeah and and as always there's never enough time to talk about all the wonderful things yes. that the organizations do so that's why we give the websites contact information contact numbers so people can follow up after this interview and get more information on how they can connect how they can give back time talents or resources um, is there anything else you'd like to uh, let the people know about the coalition or about the people you serve Right. So, you know, back to sort of our brand statement, every child deserves a champion um, and every champion needs support. You know, what we need is people, we say, discover the champion in you. Do you want to foster or adopt? But you don't have to. You can support foster and adoptive families. You can support our organization or you can support organizations that are supporting kids and families to be strong. And that's how you can be a champion. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being here today, Oriana, and sharing with us how the coalition is supporting foster parents. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having us. You are welcome. Approximately two-thirds of children in foster care in the United States have a sibling also in foster care. For a variety of reasons, more than half of those are separated from their siblings. So stay tuned to hear how our next nonprofit provides a way for these siblings to stay connected. We'll be right back after a short break. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. With over half of the siblings in foster care being separated, it's important to find ways for them to stay connected. My next guests are Kate and Rob Bauer, co-directors of Camp to Belong Wisconsin, which is a nonprofit organization that reunites siblings who have been separated by foster care. So thank you for joining me today, Kate and Rob. Thank you, Jill. We appreciate you giving us the time to tell you about our camp. Absolutely. Well, so tell us then, how did Camp to Belong Wisconsin come about? Camp to Belong Wisconsin is a member camp of Camp to Belong International. Camp to Belong International was founded in 1995 and began holding camps in Colorado. Um, and then in 2013, Rob and I had attended camp and in Colorado and decided we need to bring this to Wisconsin. Okay. So it's a national organization. Correct. And the first one or it's got started or its roots were in Colorado. In Colorado. Okay. So the first one was actually in Las Vegas, Nevada, but the oh, next okay. year she moved it and she, Islin Price, the founder, moved to Colorado and that's when she began holding camps in Colorado for the entire United States. Wow. She okay. would recruit um, siblings from all over the U.S. in foster care to attend this one week of summer camp in Colorado. Ah, and well. There, there is one camp in Australia as well. Oh, so okay. Really camp Very to good. International. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, I understand that you're both accomplished professionals with very busy jobs. So I don't know when do you find the time uh, to volunteer, but more importantly, why 
Why did you get involved with the camp? I became involved um, because I was, as a case manager, I really started seeing um, how the impact of kids separated in foster care um, weighed on them and the, that power of that, what that did to them as in their relationships. Um, so I saw that and I learned about the program. So I, I um, called out to Camp Lynn Price and she um, invited me to come to the camp. Okay. So um, what do you? What is your day job exactly, Rob? I am a social worker. Um, at that time, I was working as a case manager in Milwaukee County. Um, I currently work as a foster care supervisor um, in Fond du Lac County. Um, well, it's a perfect fit then, I would say. I mean, to 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 parallel, it's a parallel there right. with your uh, professional life and getting involved. So it makes sense. Um, what about you, Kate? Well, I have seven brothers and sisters. Oh and, my goodness, God mm-hmm. bless you there. Yeah, and I have <laughs> and I have six children, and have found that the sibling relationship with my brothers and sisters has been my longest lasting relationship. My okay. sisters are my best friends. Um, so when I experienced camp with Rob in Colorado in two thousand one, I was just really overwhelmed with the idea of what if I grew up and didn't have my brothers and sisters there to help me and support me. And the idea of these kids who are really very vulnerable, not having the opportunity to have their best friend, their sibling by their side, just makes me want to bring it to the kids in our state. Yeah, that's wonderful. Again, when you experience something yourself, it's so much easier, I think, to to put it in place. I mean, if you're, you'd be starting with a deficit, obviously, if you had no experience whatsoever, right? You right. had no idea how uh, how things like that can impact people. But so let's let's learn about this camp. Um, so we understand it's a week long. It happens during the summer. And where is it? We hold the camp at Camp Anokiji in Plymouth. It's pretty centrally located in the state. We are open to all 72 counties in Wisconsin. So okay. we have kids coming from La Crosse, Eau Claire, Madison, way up beyond Green Bay, okay. um, Fond du Lac area. How do you get the names of the siblings then? I mean, how, how do they come to you? We um, go through a variety of um, people. Um, the Coalition of Children and Families is one of the um, um, people who sends out the information to um, various uh, parties um, through their newsletters and their websites. And that was um, our first guest, the first two segments, correct. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they um, have been a big supporter of ours and help us get the word out. Um, I also um, am able to get a hold of all of the case managers throughout the state, um, and we can send out information to them specifically or, or very personally, um, letting them know okay. about what when our events are coming up. Okay. Well, talk about cost per child then. I mean, just in case there's somebody out there listening and they mm-hmm. would like to get more specifics, obviously we know they can go to your website, but cost per child, volunteers. I mean, how do you make this thing happen? And then describe some of the things that happen at camp. Well, and I just want to reinforce that Camp To Belong is a camp that reunites siblings who've been separated by the foster care system. So we accept youth ages 8 to 21, and we do charge a camper fee, which is $500 per child, but we do not let the inability to pay that fee um, prevent any kid from coming to camp. So we do a lot of fundraising. It costs about 1200 to send one child to camp for the week. Um, so even the camper fee doesn't really cover those costs. Okay. So Rob and I write a lot of grants. Um, we 
have done an annual Bolathon fundraiser, and we're always looking for support from private donors and foundations. Okay, and what about the counselors? I mean, you guys don't run it all by yourself, do you? <laughs> no, we could not do You're it laughing. without You're our smiling, counselors. Rob. Are you saying yes? Yes, we do. <laughs> no, you must rely on volunteers, right? We, we do a lot, and we actually have quite a high um, counselor to Campa ratio. We have for every two kids, we have one counselor. Um, so that's a really high ratio, um, which means we have a, a really significant need for volunteers each summer when we have this camp. Okay. Does Do the volunteers have to have a special type of background? No. Um, well, we do background checks on all of our volunteers. We want them there for the right reason. Sure. Um, we do it. Our organization is 100% volunteer run, so all of our volunteers are giving a week of their time to come to camp. Um, we often will recruit at um, colleges. We'll speak to social service um, students. Um, we have a pretty strong base now, as this has been our fifth year. So a lot of our counselors tend to come back and actually spread word of mouth, recruit their friends to come oh, volunteer nice. as well. And nice. we really like a diverse group of counselors. So we have, you know, 21, 22-year-old students. In this past year, we had a volunteer who spent the week with us who is a 65-year-old grandma. Ah. Um, Who doesn't need a grandma in the mix, right? <laughs> right. Or two or three. <laughs> right. I imagine that they're wonderful mentors for, for the kids. Describe some of the things that you do. You know, what are, what are some of the programs that you uh, offer, you know, some of the fun things that you do at camp? Well, we do all of the normal things that people do at camp camps, um, so the horseback riding, the canoeing, swimming, all of those um, regular things that are done. But we also do some signature programs. Um, and one of the favorites that Kate likes to talk about is the um, birthday party. Oh, yeah. So we do have signature programs, and these programs are designed specifically to reinforce that sibling connection. So oftentimes youth in foster care who are separated from their siblings don't get the opportunity to celebrate special events. They don't get to spend holidays together. Mm. They don't get to... Um, go to after-school events with their siblings. They don't get to celebrate their birthday together. So at camp, we create a big gift shop, and we have donated and purchased birthday gifts that are usually a pretty nice gift. $25 is the average price. Okay. And the kids go birthday shopping for their sibling. They wrap the present, they make a birthday card, and then they each decorate a birthday cake for one another. Oh, wow. And then that evening, we have a big pizza party. They sit in the field on a, on a picnic blanket, and the sibling groups decide what they want on their pizza for dinner <laughs> that night, because that's a normal thing siblings yes. need to do. Yeah. And then we have a huge birthday party where they all get their cake, they open their presents, and oh. it turns into a big dance party. It's really one of the favorite events of the week. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Ta we have said many times that People come into a an outreach situation saying that they are going to bless someone in some way, and uh, I talk a lot about that on this show. But the fact of the matter is, is that the person that is doing the giving is really the one that is being that is being blessed, right? Tell us, tell us the benefits that you've seen with the youth and the volunteers that are part of the camp. Um, it is a very uh, powerful um, setting to be a part of. 
um, we come into this setting, we, we spend time with the kids, and it's really, um, we give the kids a lot of opportunities to express themselves to each other, and it's really cool to kind of see them take advantage of those opportunities um, and really be um, very um, vulnerable with each other. Um, so in that, I think our volunteers really get to, get to know the kids very well. Um, and many of them walk away from the experience being being very changed. I myself um, was very impacted. I I felt like my practice changed after I came back from camp. Um, and I've heard um, other um, uh, social workers say the same thing. Mm. We've actually had several of our volunteer counselors change their majors in college to work towards social work instead of what they were planning on going to. Mm -hmm. And we've had some of our volunteer counselors work towards becoming foster parents after the experience of camp. So spending a week with these kids who are really just kids who yeah. want to have fun and be with their brothers and sisters really is very life-changing. Mm. Well, actually, the quality of sibling relationships is one of the most important predictors of mental health and old age. I thought that that was a very interesting t statistic. So stay tuned to find out what the American Journal of Psychiatry has to say about this. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and Kate and Rob Bauer from Camp to Belong, Wisconsin, are joining me in the studio today. So we said before the break that the quality of sibling relationships is one of the most important predictors of mental health in old age. Again, a very interesting statistic. What does the American Journal of Psychiatry have to say about this? Well, I'm glad you asked that because my degree is actually in clinical mental health counseling. So this is an important statistic for me. Um, there is a study, a 30-year longitudinal, longitudinal study, which um, spoke to parents and children, men actually, 229 men were followed for 30 years based on their mental health. And they were looking specifically at how the sibling relationship had an impact on that. And they found that men who were emotionally close to their siblings had a much greater life satisfaction overall and a decrease um, rate in depression. Hmm. So just having that connection to others and specifically siblings can increase life satisfaction overall. Mm. That's a wonderful statistic again. So if you're fighting with your siblings, listeners, make sure that you make up and just, you know, look at the grand picture. You will be in better health uh, as you age if you have a relationship with your siblings, right? That's bottom line. Mm -hmm. um, what's the impact then on youth when they're removed from their biological parents and or their siblings? Um, the impact is really that children become very... Um, um, isolated a lot of times when we talk to them um, after when, when they age out of care they talk about how they really became isolated um, they felt very um, separated or uh, singled out um, so they were they're removed from their parents but then they're also removed from other family members from their siblings um, from their neighborhoods and schools um, so they're out there on their their own and they feel 
um, very isolated that way, um, which is why we really want to work on connection. Yeah. Well, and I think that something that the campers tell us is when they come to camp, they can just be who they are. So often they shield from others in their life that they are in foster care. There's a high stigma attached Mm -hmm. to being a foster child. So when they come to camp, they're with other kids who have experienced many of the same things that they have. And, you know, I just think of one particular story of two young men who... um, They attended camp um, a few years back, and they were raised with their mother, and their mother became ill and could no longer care for them. So at the ages of 12 and 10, they were removed from their mom and placed one with his biological father and the other with an aunt. Um, And then they attended camp, and two weeks after camp, their mother passed away. Mm. And then a week after that, their grandfather passed away. And those were the people who were holding those two brothers together, yeah, basically. Yeah. So um, so one of the things we like to do as a camp is um, try to continue building that relationship for our campers. So we actually sent these two boys on a weekend retreat at the Blue Harbor Resort in oh, Sheboygan nice. yeah. um, just to give them an opportunity to be together again shortly after this pretty dreadful experience. Traumatic, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and kids in care, that's what they of, oftentimes go through is just a lot of trauma. Yeah. And they've studies have also shown that the one thing that can help build resilience and heal trauma is human connection. Oh, and if you're connecting yeah. with a sibling who helped raise you or you helped raise, it's just making that much of a difference for mm. them. Do you find that uh, the the children or the siblings that are coming to camp are oftentimes uh, didn't did they know that maybe they have a sibling or are all the the kids that are coming to the camp are they aware have they been, maybe been together first and then separated or do you ever find that you have kids coming that had no idea that they had a sibling well most of them are aware that they had siblings okay. and that they know of their siblings and and just this last summer at camp we had a sibling group of five who hadn't seen each other in six years. Oh, my goodness. Two of the younger children were um, placed with their grandmother, and the other three older children were placed into separate foster homes, and they had not seen each other in six years. And when they came to camp, they locked arms. They walked hand in hand all week long and never left each other's side. And the oldest oldest s- sibling said, you have brought my world back together for me. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. just so powerful to see yeah. this group of kids be together for the week, just doing fun stuff. Right. Not having to worry about, is my social worker coming for a visit this week? What is my teacher going to think of what of this? You know, mm-hmm. just really a week of, of being in the outdoors and doing fun things together. Do you find that you have a lot of returning campers? Or do you have, because I imagine the need is great, and... You only have one week of the year that you're doing this. And so do you find that you're continuing to welcome back the same people and then adding? That's exactly what we're okay. doing. We have about a 50-50 rate where 50% of our kids are returning and then another 50 are new. And we get those kids coming through um, by way of the case managers, you know, putting the word out early. And we're actually thinking about adding a second camp on the west side of the state because we do um, we do see a lot of need in the state. Yeah. And it's a lot for a 
family to travel from Eau Claire for, mm-hmm. to Plymouth, Wisconsin. So um, just really wanting to give more families the opportunity to attend because we also want to keep our camp, in a sense, the week close and family-like. You know, we've served 60 kids this last summer, mm-hmm. um, which means we have to have about 40 volunteers. Sure, yeah. So really being able to provide the kids a quality week where they get to do all the programming that we offer. And I just really wanted to touch a little more on some of our signature programs. Another one of our signature programs is um, a life empowerment seminar where we have the older youth um, work on independent living skills. Mm -hmm. This past summer, um, we had a facilitated discussion with the youth where they talked about what was it like growing up in foster care? How has this impacted you and what would you like to see different? And they kind of created a call to action sheet, which they then had the opportunity to present to Secretary Emily Edmondson, the state secretary for the Department of Children and Families. So that was very powerful. And now Secretary Edmondson is taking what our campers said to other organizations and presenting this is what the need is for our kids in care. And this is how we should be involving them in the process. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what a great experience for the individual to know that their words are really being heard, yes, right? indeed. Right? Um, well, you mentioned that this was all volunteer-based. So how how do you raise the funds then to support your mission? Well, I talked a little bit earlier about our annual fundraiser. We do a bolathon event um, usually in the end of April, beginning of May, um, and it's open to anyone in the state, and it's really a family fun event. Um, there's really no charge for individuals to come and participate, but we like them to raise $500, which is a team of five people to raise $500, which is the cost of a camper fee. Okay. So when they attend, they know that the money they raised is bringing a kid to camp. Um, other ways that we raise funds are um, through grants. Rob and I write a lot of grants. Um, we request from personal um, donors, private donors, and foundations. So all of the funds that are raised for Camp Tubelong go directly to our programming. Mm. So any funds that we receive um, buys a birthday present or helps pay for the carnival we have Monday night okay. or pays for the pictures of the kids that we send home with them. They do a scrapbook Mm -hmm. at the end of the week because kids in foster care, unfortunately, leave with very little to their names. And family photos is one thing that they don't have. So we like to give them as many pictures of the week as we can. Wow. Well, lots to talk about. Again, uh, we wouldn't uh, be able to cover all the things that you guys offer, but at least people know that they can check you out uh, on Facebook or at a, on a website. Uh, what would that be for our listeners? All they would need to do is Google Camp to Belong Wisconsin, and our website would pop up. Great. Well, before we leave, because we're coming to a close, what, what message would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, I'd just like to share that There's over 7,500 kids in the state of Wisconsin in foster care right now, and that number changes on a daily basis. But these kids came into care through no fault of their own. These are just kids who've 
lived with trauma, some of them neglect, abuse, some of them, like the two campers I mentioned before, had grown up with their mom and their mom got too ill to care for them. So I just want our listeners to know that these are just kids, very deserving, vulnerable kids who just want connection and love. And we certainly want kids to or um, volunteers for our camp, but to if people are, have the, the ability or, or are able um, to step up and become foster parents themselves, um, the need is definitely there. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for all you do for siblings in foster care. Thank, thank you, you, Jill. I want to thank all my guests today, Oriana Carey, Executive Director of the Coalition for Children, Youth, and Families, and Kate and Rob Bauer, Co-Directors of Camp to Belong, Wisconsin. Thank you for sharing information about the resources available and, and giving adoptive and foster siblings a place to connect. We really appreciate all you do to provide this opportunity. If you'd like further information about who we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262 691-3200. There are a number of different ways that you can access our show. You can, of course, listen live on News Talk Radio, WISN, AM 1130, on Sunday mornings at 10. You can tune in via the iHeartRadio app, or if you miss a show on Sunday morning, you can go to our website at ellenbecker.com to see all past shows. You can also now listen on demand, which is exciting, uh, on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So join us next Sunday morning to learn more about some great people, great nonprofit organizations that are doing great things in the community. And if the organization or the people or the stories that they share resonate with you, reach out to them and see how you might be able to get involved. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.